Hi there, and welcome to the pod for Thursday, November the 12th. Coming up, how a circuit breaker lockdown might work in Alberta after a letter from over 115,000 healthcare workers asking the government there to implement immediate measures when it comes to the battle against COVID. We'll also talk to our wellness expert about doom scrolling and ways to boost your immunity. And we'll talk to our friends at the Second City about their final performance at their Mercer Street location coming up this weekend. That's all ahead right now on the pod. Okay, lots of concern in the province over these rising COVID numbers. Another new record today, by the way, if you haven't heard the number, we're over 1,500. 1,575. We're expecting new modeling later this afternoon that shows we're on a trajectory for over 2,000 cases daily in early December. Here in Toronto, 472 is the number. 472 when it comes to new COVID cases. And our concern is matched by those in Alberta, where a number of physicians have signed a letter asking the province to implement restrictions as COVID numbers continue to rise there, and with it, hospitalizations. Dr. Joe Vipon is with Rocky View General in Calgary. He's with the group Mass for Canada, and he joins us once again here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Doctor, nice to have you back on the show. Great to be back. Thanks for your interest. It's important times. Absolutely. Uh, now, you have signed, you put your name to this uh, letter. What exactly do physicians want to see the provincial government in Alberta do? Well, we want to finally have some mandatory restrictions on um, on uh, closure of, of, of various societal institutions like restaurants and bars and nightclubs, uh, places of worship. Um, we want better... Um, policy reflected in our school policy because we know that you know all of these rises have occurred across the northern hemisphere as the schools have opened up so it's pretty evident there's a relationship there and we want mandatory masks around the province and in workplaces two things which have not yet been put in place okay i think that's surprising for a lot of people in ontario to hear in alberta in indoor public spaces face masks are not mandatory well, it's very similar to what happened in Ontario. I don't know if you remember when it started, the province, and I, and I think, to be honest, I think it's the same right now in Ontario that the province absolutely refused to do mandatory masking across the province and instead relied on the various health regions to do it in Ontario, if I'm not mistaken. So in Alberta, it's a little bit different. It's not by health region, it's by municipality. So um, the province continues to refuse to have a provincial mask um, mandate and instead is relying on various municipalities to put in um, policy, which really means that somebody in Drumheller or Red Deer is not as protected from this illness as somebody in Calgary, Edmonton or Lethbridge. So we feel the whole province should be under a mandate. All right. What is the situation there when it comes to restaurants and indoor dining? Is that still happening? There is zero restrictions on restaurants and indoor dining. Um, basically, the, there there is no policy um, imposing any restrictions at all. And we don't expect to see any later today either. All right. But obviously uh, you and other physicians, over 400 uh, physicians, and is it three unions representing over 100,000 healthcare workers have signed this letter yeah. asking for these uh, these restrictions? 117,000 workers. Yeah, it's it's quite a broad uh, swath of society that's the, and, and very healthcare worker focused. Uh, uh, we're all very concerned about what this is going to mean for our hospitals and, and ICUs. At this point, are restrictions, Dr. Vipon, are they enough there in Alberta? I know there's been a lot of talk, both in our province and in yours, about this so-called circuit breaker strategy. Is it time to go to that, do you think? Um, I think it's evident that unless we do something quickly, we are going to be overwhelmed. Edmonton is already in crisis mode. 
Calgary is not far behind. And it's important to remember that the numbers that are released today as far as hospitalizations and even cases are reflective of policies that were in place two two weeks ago. So we don't expect any change in the curve until strong restrictions are put in place. And even then, we don't expect the, the things to change for two weeks following that. So, um, you know, uh, the, the time... Uh, has passed for strong restrictions, and yet we can still avoid the worst if we put in um, something today. And again, does that have to be, do you think, a complete and total lockdown for a uh, sustained, yet be it a small window of time? Everybody talks about uh, two weeks maybe where everything is in total lockdown, this, again, so-called circuit breaker strategy. I mean, when you hear numbers in our province today, a new record of just over 1,500, first time we've come over that uh, threshold, how concerning is that for you as a physician, as a doctor, to hear that? Yeah, there's a couple of things to, to be aware of this circuit breaker strategy. First of all, we're not talking about doing the same thing that we did back in March of, of this year, uh, because at that time it was basically everybody stay in your homes, don't go outside. Um, only go to the grocery store if need be. I think it's pretty evident that outdoors is actually very safe. Let's support outdoor recreation. Let's support outdoor socializing as much as possible. We know also that um, you can't get it from objects like food uh, objects. So let's support our restaurants through takeout. Let's, let's celebrate the era of the takeout. And the same goes for stores. There's not a lot of evidence that people are getting this, passing each other in the stores while wearing masks. The really concerning places are places where you can't wear masks, um, or you're breathing heavily. So that would be restaurants, bars, nightclubs, cafes. Um, places of worship seem to be an issue, as well as um, uh, gyms and other indoor sporting activities. Um, but as I say, let's, let's, so let's um, enable people to do as much activity outdoors as possible. Let's, um, uh, let's support the takeout industry. Okay, I'm quickly running out of time, sorry, and I wanted to ask you too, what's your take on schools? Because there's been a lot of talk about that, that we can crack down, yes, on gyms and restaurants, but they're really only 2 or 3% of the case cases. Do we need to take a hard look at back-to-school uh, kids in classrooms? I don't think it's coincidental that this rise in COVID has happened around the Northern Hemisphere at the same time as schools reopened around the Northern Hemisphere. There does seem to be a relationship there. I don't. I, I do understand the value of schools in the context of our society, and I want to do as much as we can to support them. But that means mandatory masking throughout the day in the schools. That means really incentivizing uh, smaller classes and in, and incentivizing improved ventilation. Let's open up some windows. Let's get good ventilation systems in place where they are inadequate, especially in our older schools. Um, let's put in filtration systems. These are all uh, things that we can do to make our schools safer. All right, Dr. Vipon, I have to leave it there for now. Appreciate the time as always. And of course, we will be uh, watching uh, with interest. Uh, best of luck there in Alberta moving forward. No, we appreciate it. We're, we're worse than you are, and then we need the help. All right, Dr. Joe Vipon is with Rocky View General in Calgary. All right, just looking here, it's a Thursday, 2.25. Yeah, it means our regular appointment with our wellness expert, Laura DeSanctis. Find her on Instagram at Go With Your Gut. Laura, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing well. How are you, Jeff? I'm okay, thank you. Uh, we're going to start this week with our weekly wellness check or wellness update and talk about, a, I think, a kind of fairly new phenomenon, if you will, at least over the last couple of years, something called doom scrolling. Just first off, uh, what is that exactly? 
So it's a real thing, and people are probably like, what is this? So doom scrolling is when we're constantly checking our social media pages, we're constantly consuming endless amounts of bad news. So that's why it's called doom, scro uh, doom scrolling. Um, and if anything, I think 2020 has really brought more awareness around this habit. And I know I've been guilty of it. Jeff, have you, do you feel like you've been guilty of it, especially this year? Well, I mean, it's hard to avoid, right? All the uh, bad news, the uh, negative news is just a consequence of the uh, day and age, the times we live in right now. But uh, what sort of effect does this have if we're just constantly checking our phones, scrolling mm -hmm. and getting nothing uh, but bad news? What sort of effect, Laura, does that have on our wellness? So first I'll um, tell you a little bit as to why we do it, and then I'll go into the effect. So why we do it is our human brain is always on the lookout for threats or threats to our safety and our well-being in order to prepare ourselves for what's to come. So when we read something that's upsetting, uh, the, threat, the threat response is activated. So uh, a lot of the time our, we have the signal of our cortisol and that is heightened. So we're tempted to scroll page after page because our brain perceives that there is an, a threat and our brain also perceives that we're doing something essential or productive to get this information. But what happens is it's really we have this information overload and it can, can contribute to overwhelming amounts of stress as we've seen, especially for this year. So what's the byproduct of that is there's a lot of anxiety or panic, depression, insomnia, a lot of self-harm because of it. Um, so that's really, in essence, why we do the doom scrolling. But how do we prohibit that or prevent it or what are some healthier habits around this? Um, I would really say for a lot of people to set aside a realistic block of time to spend when you're scrolling. So give yourself a predetermined amount of time on social media, set a reminder on your phone, um, and use different apps if you want to educate yourself about your total screen time each day and carve out chunks of time in the day. So give yourself like 15 minutes to catch up on your trusted news source or social media and then put your phone down and actually exit the app, because I find that is really helpful. Yeah, isn't that kind of the way, sorry to interrupt, but that's kind of the way that our parents consumed news, right? I mean, they just come home, had dinner, and watched that 6.30 a newscast and got that 30 minutes or that uh, chunk of news, and we live in such a different day and age and time that we yeah. almost get addicted, right? It's like if we're not checking that thing every 15 minutes, we feel like, uh, like it's FOMO. We're missing out. FOMO. Sure, definitely like we're missing out. So one of my other tips, and I know this is really challenging for a lot of people to do, myself included sometimes, and we speak about FOMO missing out, it's not pick up your phone right away when you wake up. And I know that's super helpful for a lot of people, but try adding a bit of mindfulness into your morning rather than starting off your day with social media or checking the news. Um, making like a solid effort in waking up the same time each day and maybe eliminating technology for that first half an hour, having some warm water and lemon or making your breakfast, being more mindful of your morning habit because your morning habits really also set the tone for your day. So allow your body and your mind to awaken naturally that will also increase productivity for the rest of the day. So you don't start off your day in this like doom and gloom and stressful state. Right. What you said earlier, though, about why we doom scroll, it's because we are just built that way. We're always looking uh, as human beings. We're looking out for our own uh, safety and welfare and always looking for a threat. Is that why it's so hard to stop doom scrolling is because it's yeah. almost innate? It's built into us? For sure. I, I'm, I believe that. There's a lot of research around that as well. A lot of psychologists are saying that. So I think it's just uh, 
ingrained in who we are. Um, that's what we're always choosing to look at. We're making sure that we're not in a fight or flight or stressful environment. Yeah, it's really, really interesting stuff. Here with our wellness expert, Laura DeSanctis. Also, Laura, this week, I know temperatures have started to uh, drop, and uh, here we go, truly into kind of uh, cold flu, the the winter season. And you wanted to talk once again here this week about uh, immunity. I did. I think uh, boosting your immunity, we're all about that right now, at least in the health and wellness space. So I think for a lot of people, as you know, the weather is getting colder, there's that change in temperature, uh, we, we, we may feel that uh, cold and flu season is right upon us and we're not sure what to take. But I like to tell people um, one of the biggest things, and especially between the time of Halloween to the Christmas or holiday season, is we actually have a lot of sugar and alcohol. So that's one of the things where we really want to starve off or prevent to eat because processed sugar especially um, is really bad. I mean, it does uh, has a direct effect on our blood sugar imbalance, obesity, chisuke. So that can really, sugar in itself can really uh, put a damper on our immune system. And you've all heard about the benefits of vitamin C. So vitamin C is essential to support the immune system. And how I'm linking vitamin C and sugar, and for some of our listeners, they're probably like, why is she speaking about these two things? Well, when we have excess uh, sugar, it actually depletes the vitamin C in our body. So vitamin C structure has a similar chemical structure to sugar, and they compete with each other uh, in entry into the cell. So really, you want to up your dosage of vitamin C this year as a preventative before uh, the cold and flu season happens, or even if you're feeling like, you know, I want to make sure I don't get sick uh, this season, upping your vitamin C intake and taking that alone in a capsule form is great. And then as well as vitamin D, we hear so much of research is coming out about the benefits of vitamin D. So those are two of my go-to supplements that I help people and I encourage people to take um, as we enter cold and flu season. You know, I love this kind of one-two punch because I haven't heard this take before when it comes to our immune system and cold and flu. We've all heard about supplements and vitamin C, vitamin D, but what you were saying about limiting your sugar and alcohol uh, intakes, I mean, it's almost as important what you're not putting in your body as what you are with these uh, supplements in order to boost your your immune system. 100%. I mean, food is is always first. If we can, you know, watch what we're eating, I mean, we want to be eating healthy. We want to be eating seasonally, which is great. But then also adding supplements because they add that little boost to our immune system that we're probably not getting in our diet. So what we consume, whether, um, you know, it's on our social media feeds, mentally, emotionally, physically, even the food we eat, it all has an impact on our immunity and all has an impact on our direct health. All right, just before I let you go, it is uh, Thursday. Are you doing another Instagram Live uh, tonight? Tonight I'm not, but on Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, I am doing another Instagram on how to boost your immunity naturally. All right, you can catch that at Go With Your Gut. Laura DeSanctis, pleasure as always. Thanks so much. One more show. Yes, one more show we have to do tomorrow until the weekend. Uh, But one more show, the last show for Second City at their Mercer Street venue is coming up this weekend. It'll happen on Saturday. Joining us now is Gary Rideout, executive producer of the Second City. He joins us for some details on this here on Global News Radio. Gary, good afternoon. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here. Uh, End of an era. Uh, Exactly why is the Second City uh, leaving this venue? Well, uh... 
not sure if you're familiar, but uh, the city of Toronto has this thing called condominiums, and they are, they love them. They're putting them everywhere. I am shocked. <laughs> shocked. Yeah. So, yeah, so we share we share our building with uh, Wayne Gretzky's restaurant, and uh, I don't know if you saw, but, you know, I, I think in September, Wayne Gretzky's announced their closing, and, uh, you know, we were only shortly uh, behind them. So. So what what is the feeling uh, for you and uh, amongst the uh, cast right now as uh, we get set to, uh, again, end an era? Well, you know, uh, we were in this particular location for um, the better part of 15 years. Um, so a lot of great shows, a lot of great alum and cast uh, that came through those doors. And, uh, you know, everyone's pretty sad about it. Um, but they also know it wasn't the first home for Second City in Toronto, and it won't be the last. Okay, that that is good news. Uh, do you know where you're moving next, or is that uh, to be determined? Yeah, it's a little bit to be determined. We'd sort of uh, worked out to be going to uh, we're, we're, um, the Sunlight Financial Tower at One York Street. Uh, there's a space in there that we've been looking at. We thought in terms of the condo thing that, uh, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. So <laughs> we thought if the building's already finished, they can't uh, knock it down to build another one. <laughs> right. <laughs> Tell us what has it been like uh, for you and those in the entertainment industry that do live performance. Uh, what has it been like since uh, March? Um, I, I can tell you, it's been uh, it's been tough. Um, you know, we were lucky enough to get open a little bit when we were in phase three in August and September, and you know, even the first show that I was at in person, it was like it, the energy was so palpable, and um, you just forget how much you miss it. So. You know, we've been able to move a lot of stuff online and doing a lot of virtual content and virtual shows, and a lot of comics have been doing that. And that technology has been getting better and better in terms of how to create audience interaction and things like that on there. But, you know, obviously that in-person atmosphere is, um, you know, it's 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 a different thing that you, you can't quite capture in the same way. Yeah, is it same but different for those that work in an office? Because we've heard that, uh, you know, that the Zoom meeting, well, yeah, thank goodness the technology's there, that we can stay employed and we can stay connected, but it just isn't the same thing as a face-to-face and uh, being in the office with your, your colleagues. Somewhat similar, uh, not performing really in front of a live audience and performing virtually? Yeah, yeah, it's and it's actually, it, it really is apples and oranges, like, because as we've worked in this virtual space, you know, um, you know, using features like the chat thread where the interaction is different, but the audience is connected in a different way. You're using suggestions in a different way. Um, It's like a whole different narrative that's created around the show. So it really is just two different things. And I think, I think before it was being comparative and now it's realizing, Hey, this is also good. It's just, it's just a new experience. Is it kind of like now doing radio? Like you used to feed off the audience, but like I'm just in a studio in a glass booth uh, alone and I look across at Rob who uh, works the board and I try to feed off him, but uh, he just gives me that look uh, like I'm an idiot every time. Which... <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the, the thing you have to, so, I, you know, I always, I used to go on stage myself quite a bit and I had a tech guy who would actually, the only thing that would make him laugh was when I went too far. And that's, you don't want that either because then you end up going to the wrong places. Right. Okay. Tell us about the uh, last show coming up uh, this uh, Saturday. I-, I love the title of the review. Yeah. So the show is called Serb Your Enthusiasm. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's um, a combination of uh, sketches, a, a sort of, you know, an escape from the now and what's going on uh, while also commenting on it a little bit. So, you know, there's some great scenes in there. Um, you know, a couple of roommates who 
uh, have to come face to face with the fact, like in a very melodramatic way, that they both are in desperate need of a hug <laughs> because they haven't <laughs> hugged anyone in nine months. Right. So there's, you know, there's a bunch of, you know, um, you know, just. A, a, a slight twist on takes on current things that are that are happening in the world and and should ideally be an hour of escapism and uh, and humor for uh, anybody who's at home and wants to tune in and check out a show being performed still in that live theater in that live space. Yeah, it's doing what comedy does for us, all right? It is uh, taking what we're all uh, going through and uh, putting a bit of a twist on it, putting a, a much-needed smile on her face, giving us a much-needed laugh when we truly need it. Uh, not only can you stream it online, but will there be a limited amount of people in the audience for the show Saturday? Uh, yeah, the goal was to have a few people there, uh, but you know the city just extended their 28-day closure, so it'll be the cast and the camera operator and myself, and that'll be it. <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully you'll be able to feel it virtually uh, off the uh, audience. People want to check it out on Saturday. Uh, how can they do so online? You can go to secondcity.com and get a ticket. Tickets are $15. Uh, you know, you can uh, crowd around with your family, the people in your home to watch the show. I don't recommend inviting anyone over if they're not in your bubble, but uh, it's going to be a great performance Saturday night, 8 o'clock. And, um, yeah, I think you'll have a few laughs. All right. Look forward to it. Thank you so much uh, for the time here with us uh, this afternoon. Uh, really appreciate it, Gary. Stay well. Stay safe. You too. Thank you. Gary Rideout is the executive producer of The Second City, having their final show at their Mercer Street location, as you just heard, coming up Saturday night. And just a reminder that you can listen to the show live weekday afternoons from 1 till 3 Eastern. Just tune in at 640toronto.com. Also, find us on Spotify, search my name, Jeff MacArthur, or download us wherever you find your favorite podcasts.